This is Morning in America's Nick Smith, and I'm so happy you're joining me for this edition of In the Mix. Here at News Nation, we cover a lot of news, but there are always a few stories that I think need a little more attention. And you know me, I always have more thoughts than we actually have time for on Morning in America. So here is where I share those with you, as well as extra content that didn't make the cut during our live show. So welcome to In the Mix with Nick Smith. Wow, 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 wow. So many things happening this week. You guys are still sending me messages talking about meeting people behind the scenes. I'll have to keep working on that. You know, a lot of my colleagues are shy and they're like, Nick, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I tell them all you got to do is just have a conversation and talk to me about what it is that you do. Uh, Because I will lead you, I will guide you. So know that I hear you. I appreciate you downloading the show. I appreciate you giving me that feedback. And I appreciate you sounding off in the comments. Remember to like, rate, and subscribe, and share in the mix. I love it when you share with other people. And people telling me, Nick, I didn't even know you were doing a podcast. And somebody sent me a link of something funny you said. So I love all of that. I love it, love it, love it. You know, it's not my intention to uh, be funny, but to rather just have a conversation sometimes. We laugh. Sometimes I know you're going to sit there and just shake your head and be like, oh, Nick, come on. Really, Nick? But what I would definitely want to always do is take an opportunity to uh, just highlight some of the things that we did on the show that I just don't have enough time to either go into or feel like need a refresher. I spoke with a guy named Noe Leib. Um, uh, he's a simple business guy, right? By day. Um, and he's uh, Israeli. Uh, he lives in New York and guess what? He's an IDF reservist. What? Yeah. Israeli defense forces. That's right. Um, he flew back to Israel after the, um, attack by Hamas so that he could fight along his brothers and sisters in combat. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, introduce you to him on this episode. I'm also going to talk about how um, the, the the shock that Hamas and their uh, incursion into Israel uh, was was rather sophisticated. But it's also uh, one of those things where so many people have so many different views, particularly those who are on the front lines. Uh, so he actually talks about that, and I just thought it was interesting uh, to hear him uh, break it all down. And I'm like, you know what? I love this. And dozens of states, they're suing Meta. Yeah, the attorneys general of different states are saying, you know what? You're not doing enough to protect kids. So got a chance to uh, really learn more about that. And uh, the strategy they're employing is actually rather interesting. They're saying that this is a clear and present danger and a harm. And we want to focus on that. And I just said, whoa, this is really something. And I just thought it was... um, One that, uh, a story that if you missed it, it was worth revisiting again. Another thing that's been uh, really uh, crazy lately is the number of uh, stolen bulldogs. You know, those Frenchies and bulldogs, they're just, um, they're really cute, but they're also um, extremely susceptible to thieves. Had an opportunity to focus on that this week, and it was just uh, something I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and really just uh, dig into that and share this with my In The Mix listeners. 
But I'm going to start today with um, the thing that kind of got all of this going for me. Who inspired you to move in the space of doing television? Well, that was the question uh, posed to Lydia, Kelsey, Adrian, Marky, and me this week. Uh, because this week was actually um, a National Talk Show uh, Host Day. Um, and so we each had an opportunity to share uh, who actually inspired us or who we admired and said, you know what, I want to do this as a career. I want to move in this space. Um, and I think that the answers may surprise you. Welcome back, everybody. Today is National TV Talk Show Host Day. And we thought, I don't know, it might be fun to name the talk show host who's inspired our careers, making us want to get into the business. Um, the one I chose, I always loved Kathy Lee Gifford. I mean, she made me laugh out loud. She said the stuff that we were all thinking, you know, but and made you kind of do a double take. Like, did she really just say that on TV? I thought she was the queen of love that. Kathy Lee. I love her. Self-deprecating humor. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Positive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. Uplifting. Positive. I would say Oprah. I can't get away from, you know, Oprah. As a kid, I would watch her show, and it was the interviews where she would get people to open up about extremely difficult topics and connect with them in a way that was it's really relatable. Oh, so yeah. It was Sunday, it was, the aha moments. And, it's, uh -huh. and that's still on. So, I mean, just her longevity uh, and just her brilliance. She's I went with generous. Brian Gumbel. Um, I just remember Brian Gumbel early on and just I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. Smart, yeah. sharp, uh, nothing through him. Love Brian Gumbel. Mm, Kelly Ripa, so cute. I funny, love funny, funny, silly, <laughs> always herself. She's gotten a little more sassy over she the years. She has. I really like her. And to do a show with your husband and uh, still have a good marriage. Yes. <laughs> well, her husband's <laughs> really admirable. cute, too. We love yeah. him. Yeah. 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 I, went, I went with Katie Couric because she's such a serious, impressive journalist mm -hmm. who's done incredible interviews, broke incredible stories, gone to war zones, and yet she's still America's sweetheart. She kind of is able to thread the needle between being yeah. feminine and being herself and also being a really serious journalist. And relatable. Right. Yes. 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 She's told yes. a lot of her own personal stories, obviously, uh, with health, <clears throat> regards to grief. And the oh my gosh, she's been through so much. So yeah. I did, I did meet her in person recently, and she was just as kind. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Which is always, it's always a relief. You're like, oh, thank God, somebody's genuine. Yes. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> you can actually be my idol. Absolutely. Let us know who you enjoy watching at home over the years. There's still a lot to get to right here on Morning in America and that next hour. Is so. there anyone who has inspired you that you say, oh, Nick, I thought you were going to say so-and-so. I actually had a couple up my sleeve. Uh, but Brian Gumbel was definitely the guy for me. I'm like, oh, I just thought he was just so smooth and so solid. Also really enjoyed Phil Donahue. Any of y'all old enough to remember Phil Donahue? <laughs> You're like, who? I'm telling you, Phil was another bad brother. He was good. Just asking simple questions um, and really connecting all walks of life. Phil Donahue, if you're not familiar with him, he's worth you doing a little Google search and checking him out. Also this week, uh, Tyson Bajant. Who is Tyson Bajant? Um, I'm going to tell you who Tyson Bajant is. He's the guy that, uh, complete NFL rookie, who helped to lead the Bears to victory. Uh, and uh, you know what? Everyone is wanting to know more about this undrafted free agent uh, who walked onto the field and did something that had not been done in more than 20 years. An underdog story worthy of Hollywood is taking the NFL and Chicago by storm. An undrafted, unheralded quarterback leading the Chicago Bears to a major win over the weekend, and he's just getting started. 
We are so excited for him and the whole team this morning. Nick's here with more on Tyson Bajent, uh, the man with the big arm from a really small school. The big Apparently, arm, like, small school, small community. He had a night, and everyone was excited about it because we love these small town stories yeah. where the guys do well. If you didn't know the name Tyson Bajent before Sunday, don't worry about it. You're not alone. The last time he played organized football was last December against Colorado School of Mines. Who? Yeah, right. Fast forward wow. about 11 months, and the 23 year old found himself leading an NFL team to victory. In his first start. Tyson Bajant, the undrafted rookie from Division II Shepherd University, made history on Sunday, leading the Chicago Bears to a 30-12 victory over the Vegas Raiders. The 23-year-old is the first D2 quarterback to start at an NFL game in 13 years and the first Bears quarterback to win his debut as a starter in almost two decades. But his college coach was not surprised by what he saw on Sunday. Just watching him operate, it was just like we've been watching him for the last five years, how he how he just handled himself as a football player in our program and just doing it on that biggest stage there is. Baton grew up in small town West Virginia and led his high school team to back-to-back -back state championships. But as a zero-star recruit with no big-name offers, he decided to stay close to home and play for his parents' alma mater, Shepherd University. His family is everything to him. His family has got so much love for each other, it's a hard thing for him to leave. So we gave him an opportunity to play college football and do the thing that he loves to do, which is play the game, in his hometown and around his family and friends. Bajant earned accolade after accolade in his college career, even setting the new NCAA record for most passing touchdowns all time with 159. His record-breaking resume earned him a spot in the Senior Bowl, extremely rare for a D2 player, where he was coached by the Bears' now offensive coordinator, Luke Gessie. I feel like I've played like a million games at quarterback. You know, I was able to win the job in high school my sophomore year. You know, I started every game through my senior year of college. I mean, that's seven years of starting, you know, understanding what the week of preparation looks like. Signed as an undrafted free agent, Bajan rose to the Bears' depth chart. And when starter Justin Fields went down with an injury, it was the rookie's time to step up. Where I come from, I got a bunch of friends, a bunch of family that understood how big this was, just really just in life. You know, not a lot of people get to say they started an NFL game, uh, let alone win an NFL game. I think Chicago is very lucky to have him. And I think he's going to, you know, he's going to do everything he can do to give the Bears every chance to win. Agent will likely start again this Sunday when the Bears take on the Chargers on the road and get this. He's not the only professional athlete in this family. His dad was a professional arm wrestler. <laughs> okay. Get out of here. That's, yep. nope. that's yeah, where he got that go. big arm. More to come right here on Morning <laughs> in America right now. I hope that continues. Never let your dreams die. Undrafted, super small school, Tyson Bajan. He, as we like to say, did the thing. Yes, he did. He did the thing. I also wanted to make sure that we talked about, um, mentioned earlier to you how uh, stolen bulldogs, you know, um, it's um, interesting because that was um, a theft that really came into view after the whole Lady Gaga incident. Well, get this. While investigators were searching for uh, this stolen bulldog and a whole ring tied to that, they stumbled across an even larger crime. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Take a listen to this.
Welcome back to Morning in America. Undercover police officers in St. Louis making an unexpected discovery during a recent sting. It landed them in the middle of a growing nationwide crime trend. So those officers went in looking for stolen French bulldogs. Which are super cute and one of America's most popular dog breed. Uh, and so we said to ourselves, we got to know more about this. Nick's back with details. Nick, what's the deal here? Adrian Mercury, they went to go look for stolen French bulldogs and they stumbled upon a crime ring. That case out of St. Louis, just one example of these targeting French bulldogs, but the investigation took a major twist when officers went undercover. Who in their right mind would do something like that to a four-month-old puppy? Brianna Garcia says she hasn't slept since thieves broke in and stole her dogs while she was at work. The St. Louis area barbershop owner is just the latest victim of an increasingly popular crime trend around America. Thieves targeting French bulldogs. And my dogs are like my family, that's my real deal family, my kids. You took that away from me. Officers set up an undercover sting operation to buy back the dogs. But when they went in, the suspects got spooked. They decided to hurl little Tori out a three, uh, third story apartment building window and he plummeted down to the ground. Both dogs are okay, but it's what else police found inside that home that sent the investigation down a new path. We found massive amounts of fentanyl manufacturing products, pill presses, firearms. This is part of a, of a bigger problem, not only burglarizing houses and, and stealing dogs, but you know, dealing drugs and being armed. Market Watch reports the average price for a Frenchie is anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000. But depending on the coat, breeder and a host of other factors the dogs can sell for tens of thousands each and criminals have noticed they saw them as a way to make money they saw them as a way to sell them on the black market or sell them online representing themselves as the owners in maybe the most notorious french bulldog robbery lady gaga's two frenchies were abducted at gunpoint in los angeles her dog walker choked and shot that was almost three years ago but french bulldog thefts have shown no signs of slowing since then one of them came in front of me pointed a gun in my face um, and said give me the dog pointed them at her head and told us give us your dog two masked guys got out of the car saying give me the a News Nation analysis found 11 separate reports of stolen French bulldogs in eight different states since August 1st. Every French bulldog owner with whom I've spoken have told me that they are on alert every time that they walk their dogs. French bulldog thefts are tough to monitor nationally because certain law enforcement agencies simply don't even track these kinds of crimes. As for the two suspects arrested in, Louis in St. Louis, Adrian Markey, they're each facing three felony charges. Yeah, other cities have bigger, unfortunately, bigger fish to fry right yeah. now in these times that we're living in. But yeah, I can't, I can't handle the animal stories and abuse. To it's the it's dogs like you, you've resorted to dog snatching. Like how low do you have to go? Uh, but again, as we've seen with other stories, people, desperate times. So a lot of big headlines to get to. So a word of advice to all of you. Um, those moving narcotics and weapons and things like that, I'm going to tell you, you probably should stop stealing dogs that lead police to your doorstep um, and then end up busting your whole operation. Yeah, there you go. Probably not the smartest idea. Dozens of states are suing Meta over youth mental health. Yeah, the state attorneys general are arguing that Meta unlawfully misleads the public on how safe their products actually are and what they're actually doing uh, to monitor use. So they said, you know what, enough is enough. 
And it looks as though this particular lawsuit could have traction. A social media showdown is unfolding really across America. At this point, more than two dozen states signing onto a lawsuit against the parent company behind Facebook, which of course is Meta. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, they claim the social media site has been addictive when it comes to children. This is something we've heard for years and years, but now it's getting serious. Uh, Nick Smith has more. In the 233-page filing, attorneys general across multiple states allege Meta has exploited young users on its social media platforms, including, but not limited to, creating a business model focused on maximizing young users' time online and misleading the public. Meta has been allowed to addict our children to a product that interferes with their education, their sleep, and ultimately their mental and physical health and wellness. A recent Gallup survey found the average teen spends almost five hours a day on social media. YouTube leading the way with almost two hours a day, followed by TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. I do think the companies, again, need to be more responsive. And right now, their priority is making money. Their priority is advertising revenue. Their priority is making the algorithm sticky so that you stay and stay and stay. Author Devorah Heitner has written two books on parenting and technology. When researching her book, she spoke to teens who say they receive inappropriate and problematic direct messages, often on Instagram. Girls telling her that some have even offered money for photos. People are getting really frustrated with the lack of accountability that companies like Meta have in navigating the incredible power that they have in our lives and in the lives of our children. And people are frustrated and they want these companies to be more accountable to their users. One legal expert we spoke to believes the states have sufficient evidence to show that Meta is not using enough effective gatekeeping measures to ensure that young users don't get onto their platforms. It's sort of the Wild West out there. It is a very difficult job for any parent to be monitoring what type of social media their kids are consuming these days. And that's what the attorney generals are trying to do, They're trying to help parents get a little bit more control back in their lives. In a statement, Meta said it has, quote, already introduced over 30 tools to support teens and their families, adding, we are disappointed that instead of working productively with companies across the industry to create clear, age-appropriate standards for the many apps teens use, the attorneys general have chosen this path. Adrian Markey's social media companies have tried everything from banning anyone under the age of 13. TikTok even tried to implement a 60-minute time limit per day for anyone under the age of 18. But experts say those measures are too easy to get around and too difficult to police. All right. Thank you very much, Nick. It's interesting because you've, you've got video games that do exactly the same thing. All right. We've got more news to come right after this. What do you think? Do you think Meta... TikTok and the others should be doing more. That is definitely one I will continue to follow. It's just a, a really interesting thing because I think that parents want to monitor um, the time that their children are on devices or teens. Uh, but then they often get on those devices when mom and dad aren't around. So having some type of safeguard in place would definitely help parents who are uh, trying to do the best that they can. Uh, but technology seems to always... Uh, keep working around them or outsmarting them. Um, you know, there was a complete shock when Hamas uh, invaded Israel. Um, and it was the scale and the sophistication of that attack that really raised a lot of eyebrows. Well, we learned uh, earlier this week that uh, many, most of Hamas's forces 
have been trained by Iran. Um, and it's just uh, further evidence that Iran is definitely a problem for the United States and its allies that continues to harbor, and now we know, train uh, terrorist organizations. We're also getting new reports confirming what we've known and what we've been told by intelligence experts from the beginning. Iran had a large role in helping Hamas prepare for its deadly and surprise attack. Nick is here with what the Israeli Defense Forces are saying today. Nick. Adrian, as this continues to play out, we continue to learn more. Iran has been linked to Hamas for years. In 2021, the U.S. State Department released a report saying Hamas received funding, weapons, and training from Iran. Now the Israeli government is directly accusing the regime. Iran, Hamas. Iran held Hamas before the war directly, with training, supplying weapons, money, technological know-how. Even at these moments, Iranian aid to Hamas continues in intelligence and incitement on the networks, in encouragement all over the world and incitement against the state of Israel. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that approximately 500 Hamas fighters trained in Iran prior to the October 7th attacks. According to the article, the training took place in September and was led by officers who specialize in unconventional warfare and military intelligence operations for Iran. Islamic Revolutionary Guard. What we are seeing is what the United States and Israel have known for years, is that Iran has been directly complicit in funding, training, financing, arming, and allowing these groups to plan and conduct terrorist operations throughout the region, if not the world. Tehran continues to furnish weapons, funding, and training to its surrogates across the globe to engage in heinous acts of terror. The direct correlation comes as no surprise. Just last year, the leader of Hamas stated publicly that the organization received $70 million in assistance from Iran. What we need to do is let the American people know just how much Iran was involved in the slaughter by Hamas of Israeli citizens and Americans as well because we cannot let this go unanswered. But not everyone considers Hamas a terrorist organization, including a member of NATO. On Wednesday, Turkish President Erdogan, while addressing parliament, said the following. Hamas is not a terrorist organization. It is a liberation group, Muhadin, waging a battle to protect its lands and people. Marky, Iran has kept some distance from the war between Israel and Hamas, but on Wednesday, Iran's Supreme Leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, said that Israel is taking revenge on defenseless and oppressed people and that fighters continue to be ready to take action. Right, Nick, thank you so much. And also later this morning, everybody, don't miss retired U.S. Army General and former CIA Director David Petraeus as he joined us live. Yep, those attackers came by land, sea, and air, and they literally overwhelmed uh, Israeli defenses. Um, and at the time of this recording, Israel still has not uh, moved in on their ground offensive. And as that happens, I will, of course, keep you updated. It's just so much uh, to follow. Uh, and one person I um, have been following, I follow him on social media um, because he raised my attention. He's just a simple guy, right? Simple guy living his life in New York City. And then the attack happens. And like many of us, he was shocked. He was disappointed. He was uh, angry, frightened, scared. He told me he went through all those emotions. Um, but one of the things he did immediately was he bought a ticket, bought an airline ticket from JFK to Tel Aviv. Oh, wait a minute. What? Yeah. His name is Noy Leib and he is Israeli. He is an American. He is a Jew. 
And he said to me, Nick, I'm all those things. And because of that, I had to go back to help fight alongside my brothers and sisters. Well, he's part of the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, um, and he's a reservist. And I had the honor of speaking with him, and I'd like to share that with you. For more, we're joined now by Noy Leib, a businessman and IDF reservist paratrooper who flew home to Israel after watching the Hamas attacks unfold from his New York City apartment. Noy, when we spoke to you on Monday, you were waiting for orders. I know now that you're about to deploy with your unit. How has the mood changed since then? Um, the mood hasn't changed, and uh, what uh, what you guys are hearing, you know, everything is changing all the time, so I wouldn't count on, on everything that's being said, but the morale is here. We're ready. You know, you spoke about the humanitarian aid that is going into Gaza, and it's not enough. This aid is not going to the Palestinian people. You see Hamas taking all of every single part of the aid. So that's that's not even something to, to speak about. And it's we need to go in. We need to go in and we need to finish Hamas. That's what we have to do. Noy, I know that you say you need to go in. You know that this would be a dangerous operation. Are you and your team anxious or frustrated by uh, by this delay in this imminent uh, ground invasion? Look, everyone has a different opinion. Some are angry, some are, are, are happy. I mean, you look at the previous wars and you understand that the longer you wait to go into a conflict zone, the higher chance you have of, you know, more people coming out alive. So there's different, different thoughts. My personal opinion is that we just have to go in already. Um, I'm personally frustrated. I think that we're waiting too long, but uh, though I don't make the decision. And Noe, I know that as a foot soldier, you follow orders and commands from your leadership, and I understand that. Uh, but Hamas claims around 50 hostages died in the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. However, the group has a history of executing captives and blaming it on airstrikes. The IDF says there are still 224 hostages in Gaza. It's time running out to bring them home safely. If you ask me what I'm scared about, that's what I'm scared about. I don't know where these hostages are. They, they are probably in the hundreds of miles of underground tunnels in Gaza. They're probably deep in Gaza. Maybe they're not even in Gaza anymore. As you know, Hamas works with other countries, especially Iran, that we have parents who are hoping that their children are dead and not kidnapped because they understand how bad the torture is. That's what I'm scared about. And I feel bad every second that we're not in there. I feel bad for those children, for those kids, for those parents, the grandparents who are being kidnapped, who are being tortured and we have no clue where they are. Noe, I know that you have to run, and we're slightly losing your signal. I have one more question for you before you go. Uh, the U.S. has yeah. sent about 900 more troops to the Middle East amid a surge in attacks on U.S. personnel in the region. French President Emmanuel Macron is trying to build an international coalition to fight Hamas. How would Israeli soldiers feel about fighting alongside foreign troops if that comes uh, to be? I mean, that's that's a, a dream to have other soldiers come and join us. But to be honest with you, it's not going to happen. The U.S. isn't. I don't feel like the U.S. is going to send soldiers directly to to fight terrorists who are worse than ISIS. To you, you saw the beheadings. You saw the burned bodies. It's going into the worst thing in the world. So if America wants to send them. We'll be happy to. But in the end, we know that we, the Israeli nation, Israeli people, are the only ones who are fighting this war. And just like previous wars, we have to fight and we have to win by ourselves. No, I know that we do not take your time for granted. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Stay safe, you and your fellow comrades. Take care. Thank you.
Mark, it is such a tough situation. Tough situation, and to hear him say it'd be a dream to have other soldiers fighting alongside Absolutely. us because uh, we need all the help that we can get. He's one of the soldiers really sharing day-to-day -day updates of what it's like to be an IDF soldier on the ground, you know, moments of darkness, moments of hope as well. And I meant every word of that. I'm wishing nothing but the safest return for Noy and his comrades and um, hoping that this conflict is over soon. Israelis and Palestinians deserve to live in peace without the threat of Hamas or Hezbollah or others with nefarious intentions wreaking havoc on their lives. And I say it every time I'm um, closing out my uh, Instagram, uh, and I'm going to say it here. We have to do more to take care of those we love. When you see your friends and family, don't miss an opportunity to pull them in close, squeeze them tight, and let them know that you love them. So many events happen in the world um, that we simply can't control. And as a result, I think that we cannot take our days and our times with our friends and loved ones for granted. And I don't take you for granted. I know that there are thousands of podcasts and different ways that you can spend your time. I want you to know that I appreciate you spending part of that with me. So I look forward to doing my in the mix because I'm like, ooh, this one will be a good one. That'll be a good one. And more importantly, I love getting your feedback. So once again, yay. Let me know what you're thinking. I appreciate that. And everyone, until we chat again, stay safe, hug your loved ones close, and keep me in the mix. Don't forget, you can watch me and my Morning in America family on News Nation weekdays starting at 6 a.m. in the East, 5 a.m. Central. And if you don't know where to catch us, you can always go to www.joinnn.com. You'll see a drop-down box. That's where you enter your zip code, and the channel finder will show you the broadcast channel in your area. But we're also on all the streamers, Hulu, Roku, YouTube TV, as well as Amazon Alexa and Apple CarPlay. This is Nick Smith, and thanks so much for joining me for this edition of In the Mix with Nick Smith.